This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yes, welcome. It's Wednesday, February 21st. It is my wonderful significant other, Jessica's birthday. So shout out to Jess. Happy birthday. I usually talk too much about my personal life here on the pod, but birthdays are special. So happy birthday, Jess. Couple announcements here, and then we will get right into the episode. Uh, you listen to part one last week with Sophia, Laura, and Vanessa, finding meaning in the mountains and what it is and what it's about. And, you know, the whole goal is to come back safe and come back alive. And why do we do this? And we get marketing and we get all these big lines and all these scary things. And I don't know. I really just enjoyed this episode. I'm going to get into an ad before we hop into this episode, and it'll be the only ad of the episode, so you get to kind of enjoy, you know, the the part two. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Before we get into that, a little personal announcement. I have an event this week, so it will be Sunday, February 25th, called the Up and Atom. It is a uphill ski touring event, gathering. If you're around and you can make it, please do. The whole goal is to ski tour with friends, have conversations, ask questions, get to know your gear. Uh, It's a very intimidating sport, this uphill skiing that we do. So if you are around Western New York, please come. It is free. You can ski with me and my friends and split borders and anyone who likes sliding on snow. We're going to walk up through the snowy mountains of Holiday Valley and we're going to do the whole thing. So I have an event Sunday, 8 a.m., the Up and Adam at Holiday Valley. Again, that's a personal shout out. But please, if you can make it, let's show that we have an uphill community because it's important so we can continue to do it at resorts. Again, supporting people that support us. Now, let's now nah, let's do the ad before we get into the EP, and then we'll let you finish the whole thing ad free. So I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Sweet Protection. I'm loving the Igniter 2VI MIPS helmet. What is all that? Blah blah blah. It's a helmet. It's sexy. It looks good. That's step one. I don't care how great the helmet is. If it doesn't look good, you're not going to wear it. Then it doesn't work. The Igniter 2VI MIPS helmet is a true all-mountain performance helmet. It's a lightweight, hard-shell construction helmet with amazing ventilation and comfort. It's got that BOA wheel that we love on the back to dial in that precision fit. It's a true versatile performance helmet and a perfect companion for cruising on all aspects of the mountain when you're on piste, off piste. This thing does it all. I want you to head to your local retailer and ask for sweet protection because not only is it sweet, it's protection. We're not going to forget about how important these things are on our heads. Go to your local retailer, ask for sweet protection, or if you can't find a local retailer who's got it, head to sweetprotection.com. They'll tell you all about the tech and why it's truly the best helmet on the market, the best eyewear technology. You're not going to see magnets in there because again, protection magnets if you maybe hit something could fall off 
not going to happen in sweet. They lock in. They've got the proprietary rig technology. This thing makes mountains glow. Low light, not a problem with the rig technology from Sweet Protection. Again, head to your local retailer. Head to sweetprotection.com. Slide in my DMs with any questions. Now, let's get right into this EP. I said that. It was a nice four-minute intro. But here we are, part two, Finding Meaning in the Mountains with Sophia, Laura, and my friend Vanessa. Enjoy. We have... <laughs> my buddies and I have, because we're a bunch of males and we're too, we're too hard to admit that we're sad and... We have emotions. Uh, we just like have the streetlight system. I don't know if this is like a thing, but the like, green, yellow, red, and that's like how we communicate without actually opening up. So it'll be like we'll be like starting to enter, say, like a sketchy traverse, or like we're starting to get into like decision making territory, right? And it's like, how's everyone feel? It's like I'm green, I'm yellow. And then someone's red and it's like, okay, well, why are you red? And then that like starts the conversation and like, it's worked really well. And we use it on like, we've done it on hut trips. We've done it on bike packing trips of just like bike packing. We're not really getting into like necessarily decision-making sketchy situations, but just like, what's your temperature? How are you? How do you feel? Instead of being like, ah, but it's just like, I'm yellow. And then like, if someone's red, and like it's bike packing, it's like give them time. Like that person just need like just back off. And it's worked really well for us because it's it like loosely allows us to open up, <laughs> but not be completely like I mean, I don't know. We're just I wish we were better, but we're not. But the what's really worked is like decision making. We're getting to like, okay, how does everyone feel? We're putting crampons on. Do we want to continue or do we want to like think about maybe not putting crampons on? You know, we're skiing tucks on the East Coast, like the sun's like disappearing. Should we just get out of here quickly? And then it's really just helped us make at least start the conversations to make better decisions where it's like instead of someone being like, I'm uncomfortable, they just say yellow and then we know, which is the same. <laughs> but it's it's really worked for us. I don't know. I just like wanted to share that because i think maybe people listening it's a really simple easy way like you guys have this like fantastic bond where you guys can just open up and communicate but not everyone has that so for me and my friends in my experience it seemed to really work and then if we bring someone new into the mix it's very easy and comfortable for them to like everyone knows you know red light green light so it just kind of sets the tone very easily i don't know if i've made this up or like someone told me this but have you guys heard of this is this a thing definitely i've heard of it and um I, i've heard of it more in the way of like a stress continuum mm -hmm. um and so i think you could use it also in the way of when you're showing up for the day of like how are how am i showing up because that has a huge impact on the way the rest of your day is going to go. And if you're like, I'm showing up and I'm green and I got good sleep last night and I'm ready to exercise and I'm trying to go. And your buddy's like, yo, I'm red. Like this thing is happening with my partner or I didn't sleep last night. I'm starting to get sick. That's going to set a very different tone. And like you said, you don't have to define what green, yellow or red means. You don't have to sit down and be like, so, you know, this is how we, <laughs> this is what, 
yellow tiger means or whatever like this. It's just like, we all know it. Um, and even hearing you describe that, I was just thinking back to what I said my previous tactic was and how that works really well when I am one of the leaders in the group, but that's not always the case. Sometimes I'm the one that's being, you know, shown how to do something or brought somewhere not the most experienced in the group. And then that's when it kind of breaks down for me of not having the tools to kind of like manage the human factor, I guess, in the group and the kind of just emotional awareness of everyone. Um, and I think what I tell some of my students and what I'm l less good at doing myself is instead of saying, I don't like this or no and kind of shutting down asking questions to then kind of seek that knowledge um and instead of being like i don't think we should ski this or i'm scared or i'm red being like why is this safe to ski or why is it not safe to ski and then it's it's a check on maybe some assumptions that people are making um either my own or theirs or the, the entire groups um, and it opens up that space for that learning and ability to have more discussion. Um, but I think it's harder in those groups where either you're not as close of friends or there isn't this like clear dynamic. Mm -hmm. So simple tools like red, yellow, green are, are helpful at like institutional levels. Ski patrols using them. Search and Rescue uses that, like that is a pretty, I think, well-known, not as well used. <laughs> not as well used. <laughs> I like it. It's simple. It's easy. And it just kind of, it, it helps create conversation more than anything, which is what I really liked. And I don't know. I It just worked really well for us and my curmudgeon, grumbly friends who think we know everything. And I also think that and maybe this is now coming from like the sociology major therapist daughter <laughs> side of me but that um when we think of ski lines we often think of are they you know green light or red light or yellow light based on these physical characteristics of the ski line but i might be standing on top of a line in the exact same conditions and me me emotionally or physically is a very different it's its own set of those colors and starting to acknowledge what that is looking like for you um and your your partners i think is a really key part of like making good decisions in the mountains yeah that's a great point yeah yeah i love it because i think like checking back into that why you know i think for especially like and this is pretty gendered i think as like we're all kind of like small women, you know? And so there's like the assumption always that like you're inherently scared because you were just like incompetent. Um, and so like proving that you are brave and strong and capable often means that like being scared is not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that like I got really good at swallowing my fear and it came with a lot of rewards. Um, 
And it was interesting, right? Like you got to be thinking about your audience and how they're going to see you. Like the reason I put the escalator incident and almost killing myself in there, it's like, I'm a small woman. If I stand up on stage and I don't prove that something is wrong in my brain, that I am not scared, they're just going to think I'm scared the whole time. Right. And so I think like acknowledging that in like the mountains as well. Um, and I also think like giving that freedom of like, why am I doing this? And like, I see a lot of really cool things in like a really unhappy space, right? I've like swallowed my bad day. I've pushed through. I like haven't felt well. I got to the top. I like didn't enjoy the view. I like dropped in and did it and came home. And I rank those days sometimes like a three out of 10 for fun. And, you know, so I think learning also to be like, man, why am I going to go? take what should be special and make it awful because I'm in a terrible place. Um, and I think back to like these two of like a lot of times we're busy and full and have a lot of stuff and we'll have a plan to go ski something cool and show up and be like, Oh, I didn't sleep last night or something else in my life isn't going well. Um, and I think this comes back to that emotional safety, but being able to hold the other stuff in your life as important as skiing seems really silly that that matters, but it matters. Right. Um, and after my YSAW talk, like I just totally fell apart, right? Like the genocide in Gaza only continued to like escalate. And I had all these other things going on and it's taken me up until probably now to be like stoked to go skiing again. Right. And I think that like, being able to like validate those emotions and being able to like, I care about you as like who you are as a person and not just like who you are as a skier again, sounds silly, but there's a lot of people out there that my value is only the fact that I'm good at skiing and my value is only the fact that I can like keep up and like be able to drop in. Um, and I get those invitations, right? I get those invitations cause I have the US ski team patches and I have the flips and I have this history. Um, but those moments aren't fun <laughs> and those moments aren't always like the best. And it's amazing. I think sometimes like other people and other groups will come ski with us and they'll be like, that was like the most fun day ever. Like, what is this? And you're like, it's just caring about you as a person, <laughs> you know, and asking questions <laughs> of like who you are and that like the skiing is important, but more like as the metaphor in it. Um, but yeah, I've been joking a lot that every time I've done a beacon check, I get this is kind of back to like the stoplight, but this early season, I'd be like, my beacon is at 98 and I'm at 52. <laughs> like what, what did I, I like that? And then both of these people are like, here's some food. <laughs> like we cooked for you. And I don't really fall apart as like a junk, junk, junk show. Um, but this fall, I think it was really like humbling just to have to like ask these two for help in so many ways of like, yeah, like my car breaking down and like not having a place to sleep on a road trip and not being able to like cook for myself. Um, and so I think when you can build those skills outside of the mountains, when you bring them to the mountains, it makes that like sunshine and powder and everything like infinitely more special. So Thank you too. <laughs> you also cooked for me this fall, just for the record. <laughs> and I think it is fun to like know, like my beacon's at 98 and I'm at 52. Like there is some power in knowing where you stand. There's been a couple, I haven't, we haven't had a good season here, but there's been a couple of days because we haven't had a good season that when we got snow, I was like, I'm just going to eat my way through today. Like I just don't have the power. I don't have the energy. I'm not in shape. Like, I'm just going to snack. 
<laughs> like knowing where you land on that being like, okay, I'm starting at 52%. I can't get below that, but I might be able to maintain that. And that's more than half. And that's all I need to get through today. So like, there's self-awareness. Yeah. Doing something 52% might fill your cup 10% and doing something at 80% might drain you 20%. Right. So again, it's these like made up ideals of like, if I don't get to the top, it wasn't worth it. Or if I didn't ski this line, it wasn't worth it. Um, and sometimes it's not right. And sometimes I think like you can hold both of those to be true. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Every time I sit back and like think about the mountains and being in them and walking to the top of something that we can mostly take chairlifts to, and it's just like a, like a weird thing in my brain, but it's, I don't know. There's something about it that just keeps drawing a lot of us back. And I think it's that for me, it's like life is pretty. And again, this is, I know where I stand in society. Life is pretty easy. So like if I can suffer a little bit, I really enjoy that. Uh, I really enjoy like the suck factor sometimes. And most of the suffering isn't because it's hard. It's just because I'm not, prepared like physically <laughs> but i don't know i just like arguably life is pretty easy these days like i have an iphone in front of me i have we're i'm talking to three people on the other side of the country like i have a camera i have lights like the world is pretty simple so to like break it all down and go wander in the woods with two pieces of wood strapped to your feet is like well i have woods you guys don't have woods but there's just something about it that's just like Thank you. Like, it's just nice. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to hit a couple more because we've been chatting for an hour, but I want to, there's a couple things. Tell me about the gift economy. You, you talked about it in finding meaning in the mountains. What is the gift economy? What does this mean? I don't even remember. I wrote it down. So like, I need to know now, this is like a genuine question that I don't even have the answer for anymore. Um, someone at this table is like really good at foraging for mushrooms. Um, and mushrooms are probably the best metaphor that exists for the gift economy. Um, so our fun guy over here can do it. <laughs> it's me. I'm the fun guy. <laughs> it's me. It's me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the answer is just abundance, right? I think it's like responding to a world of scarcity with abundance and trusting that like it will come back to you. And yeah, like I love foraging mushrooms because it reminds me that like, even if you, you know, go out with all your friends because we don't gatekeep mushroom spots or any other spots um and you grab all these mushrooms like there's just so many out there and when you're grabbing mushrooms you're actually like helping the mushrooms reproduce because you're redistributing spores and you're like having this reciprocal relationship with the land that's not like all about consumption and being fast but you're like slowing down and you're looking at the ground and you're noticing things and it's just this really really wonderful lesson of like yeah, I think this is the way we're meant to be, right? And I think the more we operate in that lens of the more that we, yeah, we reject this idea that like, I'm the only one in this space, like I'm the only one who can be sponsored or I can only have this amount of gear and if somebody else is in it, it'll take away from me. Um, I think radically twisting that is, is a really cool thing. And Sophia taught me that like the third day, first day we met actually, she gifted me like two pairs of goggles and 
in that moment in time, like receiving a pair of goggles to me was such a big thing. And I was like, this person doesn't even know me. And she's like giving me these things that are like really expensive and amazing. And, you know, I think it just really opened up this space for me of like, yeah, we don't have to shut the door. We don't have to like hoard things to ourselves. Like actually there's like, there's more than enough if we share. And it's something that I've been now able to do in my own life and, you know, give away gear to my own BIPOC community. And it's this really, really cool thing of just, yeah, we don't, we don't have to be scarce about anything. I love that answer. I think it's, I, I like the mushroom. It's not a metaphor, but like the mushroom just like really sums it up nicely and then bring it into like goggles that we just have like laying around that oh, just exist in <laughs> like a yep. ski boot that just sits here as a display. Like, I mean, it feels like on this podcast in the comments below, somebody's got to nominate someone. We got to give something away. Yeah, <laughs> I have a pair of goggles that I will give to anybody that DMs me yeah. an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> That's my that? favorite thing about Fisher as a sponsor is being able to gift people skis. Fisher is the company that says yes more than any brand I've ever worked with. Like it's so like, again, back to these like why questions of being like, okay, like you're just investing in me for what? And then being like, I want to give gifts because it like opens up joy and like also brings me joy and like reminds me that like skiing is magical and helps me for being a curmudgeon. And then Fisher's like, oh, for sure. And you're like, oh really? Okay, cool. Oh, cool. Fisher's in a really neat spot. And like, obviously everyone listening knows that like I work with Fisher. You guys all work with Fisher. So full transparency, like we are all in the Fisher family. But my favorite thing about Fisher is they're they're up there. Like they're not a small brand, but they still kind of operate, at least in the U.S., as a smaller brand. Like they're not, you know, I don't know. I don't want to name a bunch of ski brands, but like they're not the mega ski brand, but they're up there. But they're still kind of, like I can call Lando right now, the marketing guy I should bleep his name. People are going to Google him, <laughs> um, but like, and he'll answer the phone. He'll ignore me and then text me. But like they operate Let's as a sm- famous. Let's make famous. <laughs> they operate as a small little like machine. And I, I don't know. I really enjoy them. And like, they took a chance on me two years ago and we've had a great relationship. And like, I don't know. I can't, say enough about them and there's their stuff is good which is always like a bonus but i just really enjoy them as people i talked to christian on the phone for like two and a half hours like a month ago like and i called him for like the dumbest thing like i called him for like a 30 second question and it was two and a half hours of our work day and like just he was working i was working but that's the type of company that fisher is and they just support humans and not just like for lack of a better term robots like the robot pro skier doesn't really exist on fisher's team and i love them for that yeah well and it takes it takes a company like fisher and who has power in the ski industry to open up the door to people and then it takes them investing in the right people like Sophia who turned around and said, okay, great. You're going to, you know, give me a sponsorship. Here's two of my friends that I'm bringing along with me. Neither Vanessa or I would be associated with the Fisher without 
Sophia going out on a ledge for us. And I think in the pro ski world, that has very much changed, especially for females of vying for this scarcity of a single spot to kind of our generation turning around and be like, no, I'm not doing this alone. Like I'm doing this with my friends um, and I'm not afraid of them taking something from me. Instead, there's this abundance mindset and we can all do it together. And now there's more space for everyone else. Um, and I think without without Fisher's support or other brands that you're working with that are that value that, you know, like seeing value just beyond you as a kick-ass skier. <laughs> but even the yeah. fact that they'd answer the phone, right? Like mm-hmm. that they would even humor it is what mm-hmm. stands out more to me. Like, yeah, on paper, it makes sense. But to even get to the point of seeing it on paper or hearing it in a phone call of like, hey, I'm going to bring my two friends along. And the fact that you had confidence to ask because you're that comfortable with the team at Fisher like that. Again, this is a giant ad for Fisher, but like that's a genuine thing. Like that's it. Like most brands that I work with or have worked with in my very, very, very semi amateur career as a skier, it was like a dark alley and they like threw me a pair of goggles and I was very thankful, but it was like, don't tell your friends that you got those. Like you, you bought those, you bought those. And that that I think we feel valued each, or I can speak for myself, but as an individual, not Mm -hmm. just as Sophia's friend that Mm -hmm. also skis on Fisher skis. (laughs) Like, it's like, okay, great. Like we're going to listen to you and like, we're going to value who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty rad. I'm, I, couldn't be happier with my partnership at Fisher genuinely like people at, you know, people always slide into your DMS and, or at least mine. And they're like, are they actually good? And I'm like, dude, they're good. Like go ski them and tell me I'm wrong. But like, they're good. Like that's always a bonus that you don't have to like, I don't know, sell a pen that doesn't work. (laughs) It's, I don't know. I don't know. I just really enjoy them and I enjoy the people that are there and I like, that they are open to listening to everyone's ideas. And like, obviously they can't say yes to everything, but like they at least listen. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from working with them as a brand. Like if you have an idea, they'll listen. And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they're like, we can't do that. And that's okay. I don't know. Um, I want to hit, you guys got time? Can we keep going here for a few minutes? Yeah. Okay. Um, be in it for the long game. I think this is important. I don't know which one of you guys want to take this, but I think this is like kind of the, I don't know. I think this like really drives home with skiing and ski culture and Instagram famous and new schoolers famous being in it for the long game. Yeah. I can take this. Um, The other part of my life that is darn special is getting to work in a rehab facility 
So I work at Teton PT and Rehab, and we have physical therapy, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. And we're one of the only clinics in town that takes Medicare. So most of our patients are elderly patients. And it's pretty darn awesome because for so long, I always questioned, like, what would my little self be like? And, like, what would be hanging out with, like, six-year-old Sophia be like? And now I'm like, what will 75-year-old Sophia be like? And it's pretty darn cool because you get to sit next to, like, a lot of legends and you think what you did was cool that day and then they were like oh yeah I like established that or designed (laughs) the gear that you're using and you're like oh that's what your last name means okay cool 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 cool." (laughs) um but in many ways I think that like yeah we have this like obsession with like youth right and you're like who's the youngest person to ski the grand like who's the youngest person to do these tricks who's the youngest person to like win these medals and then you're like well how long do they stay around for um and i've had a lot of injuries that escalator incident was not my first injury i've blown my knees i had a stress fracture broken back um yeah i've torn my bicep tendon off we got a a lengthy list um And I think also a lot of it comes, I have a really close friendship with Kit Delorier um, and it's pretty darn cool. Um, And it's funny because I don't even like consider Kit (laughs) to be like older at all in many ways because she totally kicks my ass (laughs) and has fewer fewer gray hairs than I do. (laughs) Um, But in many ways, right, it's like, oh yeah, like you can do this for a long time. And like to do that though, you got to, you got to invest. And I blew my first knee when I was like 16. And a lot of people were like, Hey, like, don't beat yourself up. Um, and the other thing they were like, you're going to see like how much you love this sport. And I was like, I already know how much I love this sport. I just got to figure out how to like stay healthy. And it took a long time. I came back the next two seasons, blew both of my other knees. And I went from being like a 16 year old hotshot who had just qualified for the u.s development team to being like 21 and not being able to ski a full season in five years um and taking the slow road and being like i'm gonna invest in you know trying to make the u.s team and give myself like three years to come back from this and the live those experiences but the coolest part of the backcountry is the longevity of it um and the fact that you can do it But again, I look back and I'm like, okay, I was like this little aggro mogul skier. I started skiing moguls when I was six and I finished competing moguls when I was 27. That's 21 years. I'm six years into my backcountry career. I'm still a (laughs) (laughs) six-year-old. You know, I'm so excited to see what the next 21 years hold for me. And there's this like, oh, I got to be able to ski this in like three years of becoming a backcountry skier or whatever. And it's so fun to get to like start over and be again and be like, nah, like these skills take like decades and decades. And when you have that perspective, um, you know, honestly, it's changing with climate change, I think is the, the scariest scarcity that exists maybe, but being like, will this still be capable in 10 years from now? Why am I freaking out of having to do it? in this day when the conditions aren't lining up? What does it look like if I hold my goals in terms of like five years? Um, And that's what I do now. I joke that I, every goal worth doing is worth investing five years in doing because the day is gonna line up. The weather's gonna be there, the friends are gonna be there and set yourself up for success and put in the plans and put in the work, but really give yourself enough time to like be able to get it done. I think too, building off of that, and this is now, extra sneak peek into like 
why saw talk 2.0 because <laughs> I got to hear Sophia um, practice her talk a couple times. And um, each time, I mean, and then I've listened to it now a few times and every time I take tidbits out of it. Um, but one of your first iterations that, I mean, I think your talk could have been hours long and as exemplified by this podcast being longer than an hour <laughs> and I was talking, but um, one of the things you mentioned in the way of being in it for the long game is if you're always focused on the end goal, you miss all the joy of like everything that comes in between mm -hmm. and the process. And if you're in it for enjoying the process of if your goal is to ski the Grand Teton and you learned how to backcountry ski this season, you don't have those years of getting to go out and meeting those new partners and all those days flailing on ice to learn how to <laughs> ice climb and those days practicing with your crampons and all of the fun that comes in between. Mm -hmm. And that has really resonated with me this season or thinking about um, learning new things. I've really wanted to learn how to split board recently. <laughs> and um, it's been a while since I've been learned something new as an adult. And there was a day I was on my split board and I was like, I just wanted like surf the pow and be cool and do the thing that like I see in the movies. And then I was like lying in the snow flailing and couldn't get up and was like laughing at myself. And I was like, Oh, this is the thing. This is getting to enjoy the process. Um, and I think that has a, a lot to do with the longevity piece as well. Yeah. I think a lot about, um, I can't remember who said this quote, but a quote that, talks about how like it's silly for us to think that this work starts and ends with us and I think about that a lot in my advocacy work which is completely tied to my skiing and it's really hard to not feel defeated all of the time because it feels like change is just happening so slowly and yeah like I experience racism every day, like gate, like gates are shut every day and it's incredibly frustrating and I burn out all the time. Um, but I also have some really good mentors, including Phil Henderson, who was the first black man to lead the full circle Everest expedition. And he is in his sixties and I call him once a week and I just complain for like an hour on the phone and I'm like, and then they did this. And then this happened and I just, I can't believe this is happening. And he just laughs at me and he was like, you should have been in the boardroom of Knowles 30 years ago when I was the only black man talking about the same exact stuff. And like, look at where we are now, you know? So I think like expanding the lifeline of the work that we're doing helps me see it in a different light of like, oh no, I'm just really frustrated. But in reality, like, we are achieving things and I don't have to see them in my lifetime in order for them to matter. And so, yeah, I think just thinking of like, it doesn't start with us and it doesn't end with us. No, I love that. Um, Phil is to, to use the wrong term and an insane human being. And the things that <laughs> that man has done in his short 60 years is like, half of us might even get close to that in lifetimes. Um, I can't imagine Everest is like the easiest thing that that guy's done genuinely yep. like because that you just walk. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying Everest exactly. is easy, but he is, yeah. he is an absolute treat to be around. So, um, yeah, I just think the long game is such a, maybe a, 
looked over conversation. Uh, everything is so fast in this world. And I really, that what like really drove home for me as a recreational skier is that it's a long game. Like I'm not a professional skier. I ski strictly because I enjoy it. Like it's a fun, it's a mental health. I don't even know if it's physical health at this point. Cause I might be at like the top of the bell curve coming down now. Like I'm not getting healthier. I'm just hanging on forever, but like <laughs> I want to do this forever. And I hike, I, it's not even backcountry skiing where I am, but like I walk up mountains a lot when I'm home because I can't ski at a resort every day. It beats the crap out of me and that's okay. Like, Sure, I could, but like I can spend just as much time in the mountains and not beat myself up. And that's like a beautiful thing. So I don't know. That really resonated with me. It's just like the long game and then bringing back the why of like, why do we do this? Like, I don't want my ski career quotes to be short because I, the why is that I really enjoy it and I want to do it forever. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I have, Two questions left. They're very short. Um, favorite trend in skiing right now? These are very off topic. Hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What are trends? What are trends? <laughs> like TikTok trends? No, I can tell just you about like. Those. <laughs> I cannot tell you. About just like something you really enjoy that's happening in skiing right now ski culture ski culture man i feel like i have no idea what ski culture is at all see like maybe uh, that's a, uh, yeah a but here's i think like season. in jackson culture right now the trend that i'm psyched about is women are inviting each other in and what that category of woman is is changing as well it's mm -hmm. not just white women it's not just like hetero or cis women i think right now the trend that i'm most excited for is intersectionality um and using our voices together um and i think it's sick and i think that like it truly is like the scarcity mindset is disappearing and it's such a sick trend um and i think this week for me um, I watched Olivia Giaccio win the Deer Valley World Cup throwing a cork 1080. Yeah. And I watched Matilde just absolutely crush this season. And when I watch Slopestyle, I can't tell gender at the moment. And I'm like, wow, that came because of access, right? Like that gift to white women has opened the door for them to be incredible. And they always had those skills and we always knew they had their skills. And seven years ago, you know, I was banging my head against the wall as a mogul skier being like, we can do cork tents, like, let's do it. Why can't, why aren't we there yet? And then being like, it took time, it took those years. So I guess it's a blend of both. It's a trend of enjoying the long game and seeing those changes and being like, I have that win that I've been looking for. Like I have that trust that like investing in people and giving them access and breaking down barriers and sharing knowledge can let people perform incredible, beautiful things. And I'm frustrated and I'm angry at our society right now of how like that doesn't happen for like women of color and like men of color and other like marginalized communities. 
And like, I think white women are starting to come to the table, not yet fully, but I think people, you know, I think it's kind of crazy to come out of 2020 and being like, did you live under a rock? <laughs> like, <Jeez>. where were you? <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have conversations with people, you're like, dang, okay, well, here we are, 2024. Let's go. So that's the trend I'm excited for is intersectionality. I like it. I'll take that answer. Um, And the boa. Okay. Here's the trend I want to see. That's what I was thinking. I'm excited to see in 2025 onwards is boots that have a narrow heel. Mm. Mm, Because again, feet, women's feet specifically often gender, like cis women's feet are wider in the front and have really narrow heels. Um, And so you can do like calf raises in your boots a lot. And so the trend I'm psyched to see is narrow heeled ski boots coming 2026, I think. It's what I heard. You guys are about to drop it. I leaked that. We always, we leak everything. So stoked for narrow boots and a really, yeah, I'm psyched. Do you have boots that fit you? This No. (laughs) That is like- Not really. No offense, Christophe. No, I mean, I, we are as close as possible to a boot that has ever fit. Me. That's why we ski Fisher because it's close enough. It's, it's close, close enough. enough. It's close enough for sure. We Alex Armstrong it. is in a RX ninety kids boot. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could ski a kids boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really well made kids boots are awesome. They well, totally exist, and I'm. The, the fitting of the boot is more important than the flex mm-hmm. because when people go bigger boots, harder flex, but aren't hitting it in the right spot with like their shin height, um, it doesn't necessarily like produce a better ski boot. Um, yeah. The reason I ski in Fisher is because of their ski boots. And I started as a mogul skier in them. And for sure, it's the reason I w- with them. And they're the only boot for me that works. Like I have to have boots that I can like climb Denali in. I have to have boots that I can ski the Grand Teton in. I have to have boots that I can throw backflips in. And I have to have boots that I can hit big cliffs in, right? Like mm-hmm. that in itself. And then finding a boot that fits a small foot um, is really hard in that. Um, but I don't have a small foot. I have a narrow foot. Those are different. Yeah. I, I'm like blown away by this. This is like a new discovery for me. Like I've always like, like, yeah, boots don't fit, whatever. But like I, I interviewed Alex last week and it blew, <laughs> yeah, well, it blew my mind. Like you're in a kid's boot like that. Like I just had no, again, like my foot is a 27, five, like Fisher sample size. I've got, like it's not it's pretty easy like i could if they wanted to they could send me the boot that doesn't exist yet and because they it that's my size so like like, and you could test it and be like it works and then they hand it to you years later and you're like oh it doesn't work and they were like oh well we already made them in production you should have given us this feedback during testing yeah i can't flex a boot so it doesn't matter um my last my last question here this is for each and every one of you so it's a real tough one to answer favorite pocket snack we talked a lot about the skin track today so we have to have your go-to pocket snack I can go first. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> um, I'm a salty girl. I'm not sweet. So I'm, my go-to is um, olives or pickles. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is olives? <laughs> yeah. Do they freeze? 
<laughs> Not if they're in your pocket. I guess <laughs> they might leak. <laughs> they might leak. Oh, I would. I would die on the skin track if it was like you're gonna bonk and die or eat these olives. I'd be like, mm. but not, but like, let's be clear, not black olives, not like a can of olives. I'm going to the olive bar. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to Olive Cheese Garden. Sure. And you're getting like the good olives, yeah. you know, yeah. from the Olive Garden, the top the tier, straight from the source. <laughs> so olives and pickle. I could do pickles. This is amazing. I didn't even know I could do like I didn't even think about having pickles as an option. But they make pre individual individual serving pre wrapped pickles. And you can drink the juice after, and that's good mm-hmm. hydration electrolytes. electrolytes. Dang, there's a company in Western New York that makes pickle pops, and I guess they're really good. They're like yeah. frozen pickle pops. I don't frozen know. pickles. I don't know. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm switching it up a little bit from necessarily a snack to a drink, um, but a thermos of chai tea with two to three spoonfuls of sugar. Whoa. One spoonful of salt. And milk. It can be oat milk, whole milk, whatever. Um, but the the sugar plus the salt mm-hmm. makes it like so rich and delicious. Um, and yeah, finally this past spring um, in Pakistan, uh, went to go visit a friend of Eid, and he put salt in his tea. And I was like, I found wow. a friend. <laughs> like this was meant to be. Um, so yeah, we gotta have our olive friend, and then also people who put salt in their tea. Mm-hmm. One time, Sophia oversalted her tea, <laughs> and it was actually amazing. It tasted like salted caramel something in my mouth. I she was like, "It's super salty, but you you got to trust me right now." And in, indeed, it was delicious. Nice. I did also have a moment this fall. Not even this fall. Like two weeks ago, uh, the Trader Joe's garlic salt. First of all, Jackson is like four and a half hours away <laughs> from Trader Joe's, so Trader Joe's is like the most valuable commodity that you can trade here. You're like, okay, you're a billionaire and have four houses, but do you have Trader Joe's peanut butter cups? Cause I'll trade you three of those for your Tesla. And they're like, done. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, uh, I had finished one Trader Joe's salt grinder and then went to the other one and the top fell off in my Brussels sprouts. Oh no. And the funny part is that it's a grinder. So like literally it was like chugs Rocks. of crystal salt. <laughs> And so I just kept adding things to the dish because I was like, I'm still going to eat this. Yeah, I can't so I waste added, it. Added, added. But when I transferred the food onto my plate, it was like, ting, 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 ting. It was so salty. And I had to take a week off of salt because I had added so much food to this thing that I had used like all of the food in my fridge. Um, and then I came back to the question of the meaning of why. And maybe I should be less of a masochist. Or not. Life. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh too hard because we're being recorded, but that's really funny. <laughs> it's okay. You can laugh on this podcast. We promote laughter on the pod. Okay. And we're at the end. Everyone at this point, like we've had our serious <laughs> chat. Now it's like yeah, we're on yeah, the olives. We're on <laughs> olives and salt. Sorry. Yes. Um, oh god. Vanessa, this is your this is your yeah. moment. <laughs> Mine is um it's called Bocadillo, and both Sophia and Laura have, have gotten to taste these. 
it's um, a Colombian snack that is used both on and off the mountain because nature and people aren't separate there. Um, but it's essentially a little cube of crystallized guava with a little sugar and it's wrapped in a, pla a dried plantain leaf. So it's all compostable, delicious. And they're the OG uh, like gummies, like the energy gummies. They're yeah. so good. They're so good. Can, do I, I have to make the time them? I tried it was I found one on my <laughs> backpack in the mountains as Sophia and Vanessa had passed me when I was teaching and my backpack was there and I came back and there was this like fairy oh. bocadillo there. Can <laughs> I didn't I, even know the name of it. It was really good. Yeah. Can I make it? Yeah, Do you buy it? Bougie, you can buy them um, at Latin food stores in major cities. <laughs> Like salt. After like you salt hit Trader work. Joe's, you go to the Latin food store and you get bocadillos. And if you're feeling really bougie, you can pair them with like a, a nice soft, fresh cheese. And the guava cheese combo is you got to try it. So you got to you got to spell this for me. Boca is uh, B-O-C-A D-I-L-L-O. D -I -L -L -O. Oh, I was close. And there's a few different kinds. Like in Mexico, they make one out of pear. Um, I think it's like a pretty common like fruit preservation method in a lot of countries, but it slaps on the skin track. All right. Slaps on the skin track. I'm, I mean, I'm for it. Uh, I think we did this. I think we nailed it. I don't think we need, unless you guys want, do you guys want to talk about anything else? Or this is like the moment of like, what do we do here? What do Lay we do? Lay it all out there. Lay it out. Um, yeah, talked out. Yeah. Feel good about it. Uh, Sophia, Laura, yeah. Vanessa, thank you. Thank you for, I don't want to say they're hard conversations, but it's not easy necessarily to be open. And I think that's the whole point of conversation is to like open up, have the conversation so that we can continue to grow the conversations. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to get together on a, I don't even know what day today is, but at seven o'clock at night and like have a combo. Thank you for, for giving us this space. Oh, the space is always here and you are always welcome. I'm going to hit. 